All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest. This is the Tuesday edition where we can get a chance to talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today every Tuesday at 2. Uh, first, let me invite you to interact with us live. If you can, you can go to YouTube and join the live chat. Uh, I know this is going to be recorded and shared uh, in a lot of other ways. You can go to BibleQuest.tv to see how that's shared in a podcast way. You can also leave comments and questions there. But we want to talk with you about your questions and concerns in your journey to know the Lord and His Word. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, today we have with us, let me introduce our panel. Uh, I got Scott Smelser with us. How are you, Scott? Doing well. Great, great. And, and we have a guest uh, panel. And we have a guest panelist. We have uh, Phil Morgan with us from Newcastle, Indiana. How are you, Phil? Hey, Justin, Scott, doing well. Good, good, good. All right, glad you're with us. And uh, today we wanted to talk with you about the... Uh, the important task of feeding the church. Uh, a lot of us are, are in local churches, local congregations, and we were concerned with the, the growth of a local church. I know, Scott, you know, you, you preach with the church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Phil, you've been uh, working with the church in Newcastle for over two decades now. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Or nearly a quarter of a century. Is that um, now, Justin, <laughs> feel very old, and you're going to make me wonder why in the world the memories of the folks here are so bad. Well, um, I know Phil and I, we've talked a good bit about uh, the importance of planning. Um, not every church has a, a long-term plan, and there are some benefits to being flexible. Um, but I know the church there in Indiana, where you are, Phil, you, you all have had a, a, a what a three-year plan or six-year plan uh, going for some time, and you had a hand in designing that. I wonder if you'd share your thoughts about why a plan is so important when it comes to feeding a church. Well, um, I, this has been kind of a, my baby for uh, over 25 years before coming to Newcastle, it's where it started. Um, we used to use truth in life and uh, walking with God and, you know, one on Sunday, one on Wednesday, and not here, but elsewhere. <clears throat> and just not satisfied with that. And, and uh, in the, mm, several years ago, many years ago now, we got we got started hearing about some innovative things that local churches started doing to develop their own curriculum. And so some of us put our heads together and said, what do you think? And uh, there was some enthusiasm. And so we, we started by saying, okay, if we could dream a dream and just, you know, make our Bible classes, what we would dream of, what would be the ingredients of the perfect Bible class curriculum to serve a church. And so we each had like a week or two, I forget how long it was, to put our lists together. And then we came together and, and compared them. And we came up with a compiled list of here's what we here's what we would dream a Bible class could do, Bible classes could do. And uh, and so then from there and even to this very day, you know, we're 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 working on it. We we like a whole lot of things and always want to try to make it better. But uh, Justin, you mentioned the um, 
the basics the way it works. It's a it's a an effort to go through the Bible in chronological order for all the classes studying the same material. Uh, and then after the first three year cycle, we enjoyed it and realized that well, parts of the Bible were being overlooked. I mean, hadn't touched them, didn't have time to. So then a, a second three year cycle through the Bible was developed. And at the end of that, then the, the, the curriculum used by Newcastle touches every single book of the Bible in the th two, three year cycles, about 600 different lessons. And some of the books are covered, you know, all of them, all the chapters, and some are just surveyed. But every book in the Bible is covered and it is done in chronological order. And so that's kind of, in a nutshell, kind of what has evolved. <clears throat> why, um, why did you choose three years? I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, uh, one was too few and 18 was too many. Yeah. You know, I, probably the tree, it's been so long ago, Justin, but uh, there was some fear. You know, how are people going to respond to this? Because it was different and it required a, a level of commitment that was kind of new and and so you think, OK, if if we commit to three years and, and have a program that everybody is. Say, OK, it makes sense or even better yet that they're enthusiastic about, then, you know, we can we can make it through three years and mm -hmm. and we'll have gone through the Bible and we'll have made an effort to do better than we had done before. And so no matter what it looks like at the end of that period of time, uh, before God, we have we have tried to make progress. Uh, so I don't know if that's the rationale for three years, but um, I, I've become a believer that everything needs to have a, a, an end point. And uh, you need to have a, you know, it, it, it needs to have a plan like that. And so this this did that too. Scott, you mentioned uh, fewer than 18. I'm curious why you said that. Because it's a big number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the kid that's born, you know, and then he's 18, he goes away to college. He's not going to remember the first ones. He's not going to get them all. So you want it smaller than that. And by the way, for our viewers, let's uh, also remember, today we're talking about a should we take John Mark again question so this is a good topic to discuss and we'll be discussing different ideas and advantages and stuff but the important thing is of course be studying the word but there's more effective and less effective ways to do that different opinions sometimes as Paul and Barnabas did about hey should we take John Mark along again uh, and they, you know, they, they discuss it, but it's worth discussing matters of judgment and wisdom. Uh, what does Proverbs say? In a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So there's things that are right, there's things that are wrong, and then there's things that are lawful, but they don't edify. And I want to jump in just on something you touched on, and not particular any set class books, but man, uh, I, I'm glad to see 
uh, a number of brethren who do their own study and put together their own study notes, their own curriculum and stuff, instead of just ordering a pack of books from somewhere. Because, oh, I remember being in classes in churches where these were adults, and I, I won't give the guy's name whose books we used to use, but you'd put your name at the top, and over here you put your score. And there were maybe five fill-in-the-blanks. Mm. Five true or false. Five multiple choice. Uh, you know, and, and, and the class would often go like this, you know, and, and they'd go down the road. And Robert, what did you get for number two? Uh, I got thrones and principalities. Okay, did anybody get anything else? Well, somebody else had a different translation. And then I remember one time there was a discussion because we weren't sure what the author meant. You know, somebody thought it was true because they understood the author to mean this. Somebody else thought, no, he meant that. So they answered false. And so one person said, well, why don't we call him and ask him which he meant? After all, you got to know what your score was. <laughs> my point is, a lot of those questions could have been easily done by a literate third grader or fourth grader. Toward the end, there were some thought questions, and those were actually more beneficial. Yeah. But some of those classes were unteacher had studied. And so I, I really want to highly recommend this idea. It doesn't mean that you can't use somebody else's uh, workbook or think it's a really good one out there, particular book, but it's so much better when brethren dig into the word and bring the fruits of their study and bring up questions that they see in that group that'll be effective to be discussing rather than filling in the blanks and, and checking off a third grade level source. That's, yeah. that's, that's my rant. Well, I want to second or third that, whatever it comes to, because, um, and and I almost feel like a bit of a, a traitor when it comes to that. I I work with a, a company, Appian Media, and uh, we help to produce, you know, documentaries and then study guides that go along with them. And it's, it's Bible uh, class material. And I've had a hand in, in writing almost it all would of be it. superior to a lot of what has been used in the past. I, I hope so. I, I hope so. Not not to downplay the good efforts of brethren from from previous generations. Uh, we're doing the best we can. But while I think it's a great resource, um, if you're not comfortable using it, read the Bible and just just work through the text yourself know the stories know the text i mean if it's if it's a letter from paul or if it's uh you're saying to the proverbs if you know the text you're better equipped to share with other people um so I almost almost feel like i'm downplaying the appia media role that i have which is that's fine uh, but i know some people are, are probably not comfortable writing their own material and so phil there you you have helped to write uh, all these questions. And um, one of the things I, I've loved about uh, the approach there in Indiana that you all have taken is one of your goals has not just been, okay, how do we help teach the Bible in a, uh, a concise and memorable time frame, but also how do we help prepare teachers to step into that so they, they feel like they're really ready because 
maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe I am third grade level. I think I'm just not ready for that. But what, what are some things you've done there, Phil, to do that? <laughs> well, way back when, I don't know whether it still goes on in a lot of churches, but sometimes teachers would get stuck in a class and they would be teaching in that class for seven years. They'd never get a break. And so one of the things we wanted to do was to ensure, to assure that if you were willing to help with our Bible class program, program, what we're only asking you to do is to is to teach for three months and then you get a year off or, or more, depending on how many teachers that we, we have, and that we would help you uh, get ready to teach. And so what that evolved, that last part evolved into, and, and we're still doing it, is that we have a teacher prep class. And all the teachers going through the Bible in this program who are going to be teaching next quarter, they meet every Sunday and every Wednesday because this is a, a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday for a quarter. There's no Old Testament on the New, on Sunday and New Testament on Wednesday. Or we, we're not doing that. And so the, the teacher prep class meets. So they have a class to discuss how to teach this material for every class yeah. that they're actually going to be in the classroom teaching the material. So they they're, they get all the questions, they, they know what's gonna be covered, they're studying it before they come to the prep class, they come with you know, ideas of what I might teach, and then the prep class goes for the same length of time, the other classes are, are in session, and, and everybody else, the other teachers are contributing. So by the time you leave, even if you're an inexperienced teacher, you, you know what the text says, and you have a whole bunch, probably, of ideas of what you might do with that text for the students that are of the age assigned to you or you volunteered to teach. And, and so that takes away a lot of the fear of it. And, and for instance, you know, the church in Newcastle is uh, about 100. And we have uh, on our, our current teaching schedule, there are 32 people who are teaching. That's great. And, 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 you know, from very young people, uh, young Christians to older ones. And um, I think in part of the, what contributes to that is the, the things that I've been talking about. And we, we try to make them successful so that they want to teach again and better and that they'll do a good job of, of teaching the kids the, the word of God so in a memorable and compelling way. Yeah, and I think the those prep classes, you know, it's not just about let's learn the text together. We're assuming that that has already happened, but then then we get teachers together to say, how can we best teach this? How can we best present this? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Paul had the the Christians in Colossae pray for him. Uh, that he would be able to speak the word with clarity as he ought to speak. Uh, we want our words to be seasoned with salt. So I come into a junior high class um, and I need to know the text, but I also need to be thoughtful about my audience and their ability to appreciate, you know, what I'm trying to get across. And, and so having other people think it through with me, uh, that that's a treasure. Um, Scott? 
Yeah, I've got a question because audio uh, paused for me a minute ago. Uh, Phil, did you mention the size of the congregation there at uh, Newcastle? About 100. Okay, that's what I thought I heard, but it, it, it I, I thought I might have missed a little bit. Yeah. This, I think, is also a significant thing. The maturity, size, age instability and number of the congregation uh, if you've got a congregation of a hundred people um, and you're occasionally being new converts occasionally somebody moves in occasionally somebody moves out children are being born and you're able to be having growth in different things but you've got a core group that's been there for some time I think that is especially where this type of thing would be effective. And on the other hand, um, a lot of my life I've been involved in planting works. And I want to consider the difference between that structure in a mature work and a larger work and a planting work. Uh, because in a planting work, you're starting off from, from scratch. Uh, you, 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 you'd have a partner with you, but you know, it's, uh, you get there and you just start. I remember one time when we went to East Europe and, uh, another preacher said, Oh, and it said, what do you mean? Who's, who's going to give you opportunities? Because his idea of, you know, like you would preach, you know, Sunday at this church, Sunday night at that church, do a vacation Bible church at, at camp at another church, you know, that class at another one. And who's going to sign for you going to speak? Well, then to, there weren't churches to go to or pulpits to stand behind, but you're just, you're just starting. And when you're studying and you start off, you have six and then eight and then 10 and 12, and these people are coming from you don't know backgrounds. You know, they may be coming from atheism. They may be coming from uh, Catholicism, denominational background. They may be having a lot of serious troubles at home. They may not have a job. They may be a drunkard or a drug addict in their past. And the same format might, call, might not work there as well. Uh, for one thing, if you started Genesis on day one, when you start worshiping, you don't probably have answers on day one. So future church missed Genesis one kind of a big check. You know, and then later works in in the middle of the bit. You know, and so I think it's especially effective in a mature work. And in newer works, it can be valuable to have plans and see where you're going. But there there's also some distinctions, I think, in needs. Oh uh, yeah, Scott, you're, you're cutting out just a little bit. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think we're getting most of what you're saying. Um, but I don't know if you can get get closer to uh, a signal or something. Um, but I think you make a valid point about the the need for flexibility and the uh, specific needs of. Of the local church and what works in one church um, need to be different than another church. Phil, you had a thought about that? Uh, well, maybe kind of as a something to add to what's been said. Uh, 
I think there's uh, I think I have seen families who raise their children, taking them to church, trusting that if they go to Bible classes, their children will grow up to be Christians and basically entrust Bible instruction to the church. But when you read Ephesians chapter yeah. six, verses one to three, one to four and Deuteronomy chapter six, and you, 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 you realize that it is the home that is the primary converter of children. You bring them up to know and love the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind because mom and dad loves the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind. And so if, if a Bible class program contributes something, and I think it could, then it, it, can, it can help new converts by it doesn't supplant the the kind of the basic instruction that they're going to need to grow or it doesn't it certainly doesn't supplant what's to be done in the home but if it can be uh, another resource that can gradually and with its own ability or inabilities it can contribute something then i i think that's good and in, in, in fact we tried to address this um by including a daily Bible reading schedule with each quarter's workbook so that, and all the classes are studying together. So mom and dad are studying the same subject that the children are. So with a daily Bible reading schedule, even if they don't know how to teach the Bible at home, then they can use the Bible class program to start learning what they can do at home. Let's read our Bible lesson today. What's the scriptures that we're supposed to read? Oh, it's it's uh, First Chronicles chapter six or something, you know, and uh, and 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 they can do that. And so, one of our objectives was a Bible class program that would actually help Bible instruction at home be better. Wouldn't that be great? And and we're trying to do that. One of the things I and to up... underline what you said. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. Well, I'll just share this. I know no, go ahead, one of the things that you all do, Scott, in Harrisburg, uh, I've heard this from some of the Christians there, it's similar, um, mm -hmm. but uh, like there's a theme song for some of the classes that you've had. Um, like if, if you're, and we've, we've done that here in Philadelphia. Right now we're starting through Romans on Wednesday nights. Uh, we, we do kind of, we do something on Sunday and something on Wednesday. Um, just a different different way of doing it. Um, but on on Wednesday nights, we sing in Christ alone in connection with Romans. And so it's sort of a, a theme and, it, you know, having a, a reading schedule or having a song that you sing every time or just having a one question that you're going to repeat every time or a memory verse. You, were, you know, I, growing up, memory verses were just an opportunity to prove that I didn't do my Bible lesson at home. And I, it was a bad way of looking at it. Um, but now that I'm more mature, I hope like that's a, a kind of thing that helps to, to gel a class together. We're all on the same page. Um, there's just, there's a lot there to get everybody together. And I think that's one of the things that a plan, whether it's a three-year curriculum or here's what we're going to be doing over the next six months or, or whatever it is, is it gets everybody invested. You know, you, you buy in early and now you're committed and what you invest in you're going to you're going to reap those benefits so when more people are committed there's more benefit to be had what were you going to say scott i was just going to 
uh, follow up on something Phil mentioned about the importance of the home, uh, particularly you know with, with raising children in those two passages that uh, Bill cited, Ephesians 6, Deuteronomy 6. A sad conversation I had with a brother many years ago. I met him and he was telling me about just the heartbreak of his children. They were all middle-aged. He had a number of children, all middle-aged. And he said, and today, none of them are faithful to the Lord. That was sad. But it was really sad to hear the next phrase. He says, I don't know what happened. We took them to church all those years. Yeah. And in the second statement, it explains the first one. Yeah. That's actually really common, isn't it? You know, I see that a lot where uh, churches with older Christians, a lot of times their kids are not Christians, and we wonder why. Um, you know, and then, yeah. I've pointed out, you know, if I take my child to the hospital and he's malnourished and he's near starvation, and the doctor's saying, how did this happen? And I said, I don't know. We had Sunday dinner every week. Mm -hmm. Or you, you take your child to the hospital and you say, nourish my child for me. And then it's the job of the home. Yeah. Yeah. If I may, that, that brings up another uh, question. I want to talk about. You know, we're talking about feeding the church, we're, we're talking about being malnourished, um, and each of us has concerns for our local congregations in this way. Uh, we're, we're teachers and we want to, to help. Um, I'm convinced that in working through the Bible, you know, from, from cover to cover, we're going to hit every, every topic that we need to address. At the same time, um, it seems like there are there are opportunities. There maybe are, there is a call for topical teaching, and so Phil, you, you described a three year program where you you touch on every book of the Bible, and I know that means you can't get into some of the depth you'd like to, like in the the, the book of Jeremiah, for example. Uh, maybe you get there the next three year cycle. Um, but how how would you go about? thinking about topics and Scott, I'd love to hear what you think about this too, after Phil responds, because I know you, you do some topical teaching like on uh, creation and evidences. Uh, how does that work into a plan? So, so Phil, what, how do you address that? Um, uh, two, two ways come to mind. First of all, I am mindful of the preaching responsibility and its contribution to the overall biblical instruction presented to a congregation. And mm -hmm. so if, if we're involved in a lot of textual study, which in our case, the Bible classes are 100% textual studies, then I'm going to be watching for things. And so evidences and lessons on the family and a lot of other things are, are, are in there. But we also, I mean, one of the criticisms is uh, of this kind of work is the absence of, of, uh, of topical studies. And so we have on a number of occasions, we have just stopped our, our study and said, OK, we're going to take a break. And during our break, and it can last for one quarter or it can last longer during that quarter 
and 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 before it starts when then we we say okay what do we what, what do we want to emphasize here and we just got finished um a break just a few months ago in in which we we gave special instruction to bible authority how hmm. what how we understand this subject and so there was special instruction on on that and some other other things i forget now right off the bat what they were but but you know topical things were addressed that way and so there there's nothing uh, justin you were talking about being flexible and so we have a we have two three-year cycles going through the bible but we'll stop them anytime we want to and we're not enslaved to them and so when needs addressed come up we want we want to address them and then and preaching supplements that as well and if I could, before I turn things over here, we got uh, one of the other criticisms of, of what we're doing here is you don't have time to study a book in depth because right. you've only got 26 lessons. Right. And, you know, there are people who study the book of Acts for four years in their Bible classes, you know, and, and so that, you know, they would be very dissatisfied with what we do. So, anyway, would be satisfied. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> Here's a here's a workbook that we don't have a, a quarter where we study the book of Isaiah. It doesn't it's not it's not in our two, two three year cycles through the Bible. But so in this case with the uh, divided kingdom, then instead of going through the normal curriculum of studying the the historic books of history and, and some of the prophets, we're just taking them them all off the table. And say for one quarter we're going to study our way through the book of isaiah and so we're going to go through every chapter uh in 26 lessons and here's the workbook that we'll use to do that so we, we try to be sensitive to criticisms and weaknesses and and then make whatever adjustments we can it puts you to an opinion as well you know when you think about nutrition you know you might have a basic plan of what you're doing but then if somebody in the family uh, turns out to start having trouble with gluten, you know, you adjust it. Right. Or if somebody in the family is on, this is on some weight, they decide, I need to take off some weight this month, you know, and, 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 and you adjust it. Uh, also, I'd like to clarify some of the comments I made earlier. I'm thinking about adult classes. Uh, I think some there's a lot of material out there that's very helpful for kids' classes, a lot of good stuff. And uh, in the kids' class, you're not going to probably be studying Romans or, or Colossians. You're usually going to be studying narratives in a young child's class. Um, although there's ways that you can teach an epistle to children, uh, but it's more often children's classes are often geared towards uh, your historical books, narrative books, Gospels, Acts, Genesis, you know, Kings, things like that. But booklets, I think, I think workbooks are more helpful in that age. And then again, material like this, you guys have got workbooks, but that's in-house produced. That's right. So and that makes a difference. Uh, it makes, because if you just have this booklet, that you ordered, you know, 82 of or whatever. The teacher might not have even worked on it much. You know, right. he's there and he did his fill in the blank. He answered his true and false. And he stands up there and say, okay, number two. 
uh, that, that's, that's not really teaching. That's checking your homework. Yeah. Uh, whereas when people involved in the curriculum put it, there, there's just so much more thought in it that way. Okay, go ahead, Justin. On that, um, I hear what you're saying, Scott, I, I agree. Um, and, and it's the stories, God doesn't communicate so much of his will through law, it, it's through stories. And, and stories are just a, a powerful mechanism to reach the hearts of people. Um, at the same time, um, one of my kids' most memorable classes, uh, it was back in Boston and uh, Scott, you know, Brian and Ashley Martineau. Um, yeah. Ashley, Ashley Martineau, just a creative, really creative person. Um, she created um, study sheets for the kids and they put in their binders and they studied through the book of Revelation. And she drew oh, wow. pictures and they were like half illustrated. And she said, now you illustrate the other half and you draw what you think this looks like. And it got them talking through it and discussing it. Um, David Huntington does that a lot as well. Yeah, I think that there's some great ways to go about teaching some of these things that we, we sometimes think are inaccessible to kids. And I know you're not saying they're inaccessible, but we've got to rethink how do you study? You can't study Romans with a four-year-old the way you would a 14-year-old or a 40-year-old. Uh, and so there's some creative ways to do that. And I'm I'm excited to think about the layering that can happen. Um, if, if there's a cycle, whether it's two years or four years or, or what, um, I tend to forget stuff that happens last week. Um, if I don't repeat lessons, then it's not going to impact me as much. But if every two, three, four years, I'm going back over the same stories, the same narratives, same epistles, then there's a layering effect that happens. And so what I didn't get as say a five-year-old, now as an eight-year-old, I'm gonna get more, and then as an 11-year-old, I'm gonna get more. And, and one of the criticisms I've heard with a plan like this, Phil, is that, um, well, you just, you go over the same thing again and again and again. And I would say, right, <laughs> that's, part, that's part of the point, <laughs> is we need it. Uh, we, we need to get it again and again, because what I got last time wasn't everything. I, I need the stuff that I, I didn't understand and appreciate. Phil? One of the things, I mean, I, I'm still surprised that I've been in Newcastle for 24 years, uh, but one of the advantages of doing this and, and, and having, I mean, when I've talked to the elders about coming here, I said, what are y'all, what's the situation with your Bible classes? Are you interested in doing something different? They said, yes. They gave me the opportunity to run point on that. So basically from the beginning, so now 24 years later, what's, what has been the effect on this congregation? Yeah. I think that's a fair question to ask. Mm -hmm. Good for us or not good for us? And, and you know, you, you kind of have to, well, I guess you, you, you know, you could be an elder, you could be somebody watching this, but in my case, I get to, I get to, I get to see it too. And, and it's not just because of the Bible class curriculum. There are serious Bible, there are serious Christians trying to serve the Lord and they grow because of that. But uh, you can tell, I mean, I've walked in sick or late and sit down in the back and, and listen to the comments made uh, from the class. And I thought, wow, they, this reflects a, a real knowledge, not just a superficial true or false sort of thing. But they, they aren't understanding this. And so I, I don't know to what extent the Bible class curriculum 
has, to what extent it's contributed to it, but we have worked really hard for it to contribute something. And oh, yeah. I'm glad that I have had the chance to see that, well, maybe, maybe we're, maybe by the grace of God, we're helping folks grow in the Lord. Like I say, proof in the pudding. Yeah. Uh, uh, can I add something, Justin? Yeah, yeah. And then I'll early, get early, early on, the, the church I was a part of was spending, I don't know, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a year buying uh, workbooks. You know, pre pre prepared workbooks. <laughs> and one of the things that didn't wasn't really a big deal to me, but it was a factor. You can you can make your own material and save the local church thousands of dollars a year. I mean, you, you ought to invest in a good copy machine, and that's that's a one-time upfront investment. But invest in a good copy machine and something that'll let you make workbooks, and that's not a very expensive thing to buy. And and uh, then you you end up you end up saving a lot of money doing this. I, I think of Stephen Rouse. Um, Stephen helps to. Uh, lead in worship at some of the camps that I, I go to, some of the young men's camps, and that man carries a printer with him to camp <laughs> so that he can print off, uh, you know, hymns and, and things that he's teaching, and uh, yeah, have, having the ability to dispense stuff like that. Scott, what were you going to say earlier? Oh, a couple things. One is we were talking about children, and narratives are the easiest for them to get, but there's also the concept of children can memorize things that they don't understand yet, but it gives Absolutely. them a platform for later. Um, and, and you, in, in fact, educationally, uh, my wife has been a director in classical conversations, which is a particular philosophy of homeschooling and, and its materials and programs. Uh, it's across the country, but they emphasize a lot of memorization for early ages before they understand what it means. And you might think, well, what does it, good does it do? Well, stop and think about this. Um, when you learned your ABCs, did you understand everything about vowels and consonants and, and you know, everything else? No, but you learned to say the ABCs. Then later, that fundamental knowledge you built on, and then you built on, and you built on, and you built on. So even when young children are, are getting that memory verse, if they learn it well early, think how many young children do you know have memorized the books of the Bible? And if you ask them, and what's Habakkuk about? Mm. <laughs> they don't know. Because they've memorized it, they can find the book of Habakkuk. So there's there's power for, for young children in memorization, even before they understand everything they're going to find from that realization. And, you know, kids are just, I didn't get this. Like, I, people told me, um, you know, that the mind of a child is like a sponge. Um, oh, yeah. Now that I'm older and my mind is not as spongy, spongy. You know, I, yeah. I get that more. Maybe my mind is spongy. Um, that's a problem. But, boy, they just... If if I'm I found that if I'm working on memorizing a scripture, the best way for me to memorize that scripture is to get my kids to memorize it, because just by going through the process of helping them memorize it, boy, it, it's locked in because they are just good at memorizing stuff because they're kids. Yeah. And if we hold them up to that, um, two things real quick here in, in 
Proverbs 1, uh, Solomon recommends the kind of wisdom that God gives both to the simple, you know, the youth, as well as to the wise. And he doesn't say, now, here's Proverbs 101 for the simple, and then here's Proverbs 201 for the already initiated. And I've, I've found that in teaching adult classes, when you bring it back down to the simple and just basics, it, it's the basics we get wrong. It, it's it's the brass tacks we need to go back and hammer in again. Uh, and I, I've found that those are some of the most rich and rewarding studies. I've enjoyed some of the more advanced studies um, that I've been part of, and it's exciting, but we usually end up talking about basic stuff. And so just keeping it simple, um, is so rewarding. You mentioned um, this kind of maturity that can happen long-term in a church, Phil. In Colossians 1, Paul talks about the the mindset he took to, to preaching. And in verse uh, 28, he says, it's Christ that we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Um, you know, a, a mom or a dad who's involved in, you know, cooking at home, if they're just thinking, what will my kids like to eat? Uh, I mean, there's some immediate benefit to that. The kids are going to clean their plates. But if they're thinking, what is going to, to help prepare them for adulthood? Um, what is going, you know, keeping our, our budget in balance and, and all those things, just, just trying to figure out how can I help my family long term? It changes the way you function as a family. Uh, and I think having that same kind of mindset as a church, I don't want to just talk about or study the things that I want to study. I, I want to have a, a place where I can know I'm going to study the parts of the Bible that I may not necessarily have wanted to study in the first place. And a plan like this means that when you get done, you can look back and go, oh, well, I see a few holes, but we can fill those in next time around. But if I'm just kind of going about and studying the things that I want to, in five, ten years, I'll look behind me and I'll see all sorts of holes that I, I we just never got to. Scott? Yeah, I want to make a couple comments and then I want to see uh, if Phil would close us out with some parting wisdom. Um, and, and the point I want to make, but I also want to counter it, is the, the benefit of selecting who to teach what subject hmm. now this can be overdone if you have somebody who 20 years ago was comfortable teaching ruth or teaching james and 20 years later they still don't want to do anything except teach ruth or james then you don't have growth and so we can rise to challenges but there's value in we don't have everybody get up and lead singing you know I, I don't get asked to lead singing very much i think i know why <laughs> and um we're going to be good, better at some books than others uh we had a brother who's doesn't talk a lot he's kind of a quiet personality makes good comments in class but you know doesn't talk a lot but there was a particular book he thought it would be really good for us to study. And so he and Stephen team taught, and it was great. It was a really good class. It was team team. Uh, Stephen would do one, the next time he would do one, and they just went back and forth. 
And it was a real joy. They both did a good job. But the fellow who's not up there as often as Stephen, he's a good Bible superintendent, knowledgeable. This was one of his favorite books. And when it's your favorite book, you're excited about it. And that enthusiasm came out in the class. And so I was, I was really glad, you know, that we had uh, him up there teaching that book. There, there's value in that. Okay, 20 to 30. Would you have anything you'd want to um, to share here in closing this out? Any, any uh, parting wisdom? Well, I don't have any parting wisdom. I really enjoy talking about this. I, I, I think one of the benefits of moving things forward, or, or one of the things that contributes to moving things forward, is getting people to talk about it. Mm. Uh, for a local church to have a meeting of people who are, would you all like to talk about our Bible class program? Everybody get together this afternoon and we'll do that. And the people who are really interested come together and and uh, and do that. I just think that's going to be that'd be helpful. And, and it is in a in a smaller way or in this way to me today. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, <clears throat> there are certain people who who uh, Scott not only have favorite books that they get excited about but there are certain people who like to teach certain age group of kids well it's true yeah. and and there i don't think there that it's a good idea to think that you you get promoted until you teach the adult class you know and then the, the, the highest ranking teachers teach the adult class I, I think that's a terrible mistake in a lot of different ways. It's a lot of different, very carnal. But but uh, I, I'm thinking of Scott Schaefer and, and yes. Dustin, you know Scott. He ought to have his name over the high school door. He he loved the high school class, and he was good at it. He was excited about it. He could relate to these kids. They could relate to him. And to move that guy to an adult class, he would be a nervous wreck, number one but it's why not let him do what he really does well and the same is true for other teachers you know of, of all, all of all ages there's a girl a lady who really loved the little baby class and she took it seriously and so they did simple things for the little babies uh, i wouldn't want to teach that class but she did <laughs> and and she helped our little ones move from point a to point b great and praise God for hardest class. hardest class I ever had, and one of the worst jobs I ever did was filling in one day for the two-year-olds. Mm. I, I completely botched it. And then afterwards, the moms told me how I would have done it. I went, oh, <laughs> but it never occurred to me. I, uh, I, I actually, I actually put. Uh, myself and I think periodically other people down to teach a quarter in various of the younger classes and it was painful mm. and I, I struggled just Scott like you're talking about but it was good for me because the, the skills and the energy and the preparation to teach those classes well is different than what's called for in the adult class and it was it stretched me if nothing else, it helped me to appreciate those who teach those classes very well. And I, don't, I think they don't probably agonize over that as much as I did because they're more suited to it 
just like I'm more suited to the adult class. I really enjoy the adult class. And, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, those, the, I see, we sure appreciate the teachers of the kids. You know, um, yes. we, we do a, a Bible reading as a family every night. And uh, I wasn't always good at it. And I'm still learning how because my children are getting older. Uh, and so it's, it's different having a Bible discussion with your family when you have a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old than it is when you have a 7-year-old and a, well, I can't math, uh, whatever age they be, a <laughs> uh, 1-year-old. Um, but I can't tell you how many sermons have come out of our Bible readings at night because I would have to be explaining Second um, Samuel to our kids. And then I go, oh, well, this is how you'd explain that to a nine-year-old. And then I go, that'd make a really good sermon. And it, when you, when you, it's, it's tough to teach the little ones, but as fathers kind of bringing in Ephesians 6 and Deuteronomy 6, um, fathers are these leaders, these shepherds, and that's, that's the way a church gets fed, is when you're good at feeding your kids at home, you'll be better at feeding the church at large. Uh, at least that's my think so. That's probably all the time we have for today. There's a ton more we could discuss, and I, I know this is a passion uh, for each of us, and um, we'll probably close out and have another private conversation. But I hope that this has been beneficial to our listeners. Uh, it's been so encouraging to me. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. If you found this study of God's Word helpful and this discussion about how to how to go about studying God's Word helpful, I ask that you share with others. Uh, look forward to seeing you next time. You can tune in at BibleQuest.tv. Thanks for joining in. God be with you. All right.